0: Hello, and welcome to the Reach Out for Mental Health podcast. I'm Stu Biffin joining me always, Kirsty Eaton. Hello. Hello, good morning. That was formal.
1: It was a bit. Yeah. Are you doing all right? Are you all
0: <laughs> right? Are you doing all right? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. Where are you today? you Are on the boat?
1: I'm on the boat today, yeah. As you can see, I haven't got the fire blanket behind me today. I thought I'd go for the for the William right, Morris curtains.
0: Ooh. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we've got a guest today, um... And I'm. Uh, we've just established via a chat that uh, that you know each other um, from from many moons ago. Um, uh, she's also been a friend of mine for as far back as I can remember now. Um,
2: it's the super duper Jordan Gray. Hello. Good day and bonjour. I'm not on a boat. You're There's not some, on a boat. I'm, Where I'm are you? Jealous of that? I'm in a bedroom that I occupy on a quite common basis, as it is my bedroom. <laughs> Um, but I definitely my bedroom doesn't float i didn't realize he was on a boat and what's quite sweet because you presumably you and kirsty you do do this a lot so you recognize those curtains but it's really funny the way you said because kirsty's got curtains behind you he was like i'm on a boat obviously <laughs> something obvious <laughs> about that situation the camera isn't like leaning to the side or anything you just an anchor just that shot <laughs> <laughs> a seagull just flies in the camera. i didn't know boats even had curtains this is a every day is a school day
0: yeah, it absolutely. Is, yeah. Um, normally got a parrot on her shoulder. So. Uh... <laughs>
2: I'm just, i I've given you straight off the bat a little exclusive about something I'm up to. I'm working on this project for a big streamer, and I, I want a parrot in it. Like I want—not a talking parrot. Just well, I'm just like it will talk, but it won't understand human language. But then I, we pitched it to the streamer, and their eyes just rolled. <laughs> my exec was like, "Why didn't you tell me we were pitching them a parrot?" That's like the most stupid and like unnecessary and expensive thing. <laughs> they just looked like, "Oh great, so we're spending half the budget on a parrot, are we?" And a parrot. <laughs> like, well, I want it now. Now I've written it. I've, I've my heart set on this parrot
0: wonderful wonderful well, let Jordan we always start this podcast the same way and if I was to say to you the words mental health what do you instantly think
2: my thought cere- cerebrally is is work you work I think of it as work not in a bad way I like work emotionally I feel guilty when I hear that because I think I've I neglected my mental health for a long time but then those two things go together don't they you know you you feel guilty because you don't want to put the work in and then you feel really proud afterwards i've i've yet to reach that feeling of feeling very proud of the work i've done on my mental health but yeah certainly uh it's not uh it's not always the most fun thing to dive into but gosh it's worth it i don't know why i wasn't i was i stopped myself from saying the word god <laughs> god it's worth it god's good nothing wrong with god
1: what what have you done what input have you put into your mental health
2: i'm i, I remember learning i was so fascinated when i learned that the, the coping mechanisms that people have can be i mean it's it, you know how long's a piece of string there's lots of different sort of flavors of it but the, the ideas of some people instead of dealing with trauma they deflect and some people regress and then there's like a list of six or eight things that are like really common defense mechanisms and i realized that i'll regress every time at the tiniest little thing so anything that upsets me i sort of just turn into a child again not like and I was, I think I was quite an annoying child as well. So I just become do, like... Do you
1: regress back to colours, back to your 13th birthday yeah. party?
2: <laughs> back to colours nightclub on my 13th birthday. Um, and, but here's the thing, when you work in the entertainment industry, regression is sort of like such an infantilizing job anyway, that I've never had to do any work on myself. So I just become like, a. Not. I don't think I become spoiled. I just become really like, I can't, I could become like a child and expect to be looked after and, and everything when, I, when I, things go wrong. Um, so that was hard work to be like, oh, I've got to be, I've got to be a grown-up in an industry that you're sort of um treated like and expected to behave like children. You know, a lot of my job is just to show up and play and be silly. Um, so I never, never grew up. And that's that felt like it's just it's not a nice feeling, is it, when you realize there's something about yourself you didn't know and everybody else kind of knew or that was perhaps not a very admirable quality. And to suddenly realise you've got that. Most people, truth is most people probably don't care, but it suddenly hit me like, oh, I've really thought I knew myself. Turns out I'm just a big child. Well, that's not bad, is it? There's lots of big no. children of various ages.
0: And, and talking of sort of regression and, and, and childhood, like, it, is there a moment, if you had to look back, where there was a moment in regards to your mental health, Jordan, where you just thought, I don't feel right today.
2: Oh, that's so nice. I've, yeah. Yeah, I, I, do, I remember being, I remember a, a lying in bed and figuring out, okay, it's, we'll do a little disclaimer at the beginning of this so parents can switch off <laughs> with their kids. I look, The day I figured out that s- Santa and God and Superman were all, made up constructs in people's minds um that's a disclaimer for Sorry. children what? fans of superheroes and what? and people of religious belief whom are respect and love but the day i figured all that out at the same time it was it's was just like that feeling of you're, you're sort of brought up to believe that the world outside your door is like depending on your your upbringing is like disneyland and everything's colorful and lovely and when you grow up everything's going to be good because that's what your parents want for you um and just finding out that all the sort of tentpole constructs of that weren't true just sent me into a proper little spiral, just became really like obsessed with trying to figure out the objective truth of things. Um, how old would you like, have been? Like seven or eight. It was before going to big school. Oh, so yeah. How old are you when you go to year seven? What's year seven? You're 10 years old, aren't you? When you go to year seven or whatever. So I was eight or nine. And I had a horrible dream that, um, oh God, it, This really proper, proper, like set me on such a life path. I had a dream the day before big school, <laughs> big school, um, that there's two doors. And one of them was heaven and one was hell. And I opened one and it was all white and it had all my favorite cuddly toys in it. I was like, oh, it's heaven. Brilliant. I'm going to go in there. And I went in and closed the door and it was like a a four by four foot room and the door locked and I could never escape. And I was like, oh, I got tricked. That's hell. That's hell. Like it's just the illusion of heaven because it was all shiny and white. But it's hell and I'm claustrophobic and I'm going to die. And I managed to get out and I went into the other door, which was this big fiery forest, which you'd think was hell. But it was loads of room to run and play. And I was like, God, my my little eight year old brain is working overtime to like teach me some sort of lesson. I don't understand, but I just remember becoming obsessed with objective reality, and that doesn't gel well with mental health because, of course, mental health is about these carnivorous, like uh, sort of carnal roaring feelings that are living inside you, and you're supposed to give them as much credence and like steer them. But when you're just obsessed with things being objective, you end up as one of those, I don't know, those little fourteen year olds that's just obsessed with like. Jordan Peterson and Richard Dawkins and Ricky Gervais and, and and everything else falls at the wayside, and it's all just about you know you just become a, like a militant atheist. Remember going through that phase? That's not good for a little kid's mental health. That's quite a
0: complex uh, thought process for a seven-year-old, Jordan.
2: Mm. <laughs> I've got, I was, I was quite a little, you know, like we're like most people, we we all think we're like that lonely kid, but but everyone is that little lonely kid. I wish kids could just come up. To, that would be so nice if kids could just come up to each other and go i'm lonely and then everyone's like i'm lonely as well odd we get worse at it actually i don't know do we get worse at telling each other we're lonely as we get older 100 percent, definitely
0: yeah. i yeah. disagree i'd say we. I, i'd say it gets easier oh no good kids, thing you're in different kids, locations because okay. that
2: got heated oh <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well, this oh, is guys. my
1: perspective oh, yeah. yeah um yeah, yeah. no for obviously the kids it's it's so free that you can go up to a kid Like, I love it with Nancy. She'll go up to a kid that she doesn't know in a playground and just say, will you play with me or will you be my friend? Old people, we've kind of got this acceptance that older people are isolated and that they're lonely and you've got these phone lines and groups that are set up to help them connect and not feel so socially isolated. But it's in your 30s and your 40s where we're all becoming disconnected and we find it hard to make new friendships or, or better friendships because to admit that you're lonely or that you don't have a great set of friends at you know in your 30s and 40s it's really quite you know frowned upon you know you should have you should be set by now you know that's just yeah. my perspective.
2: like like we've resigned ourselves to the fact that the the illusion of it being harder to make friends I mean th- there is the objective truth to that but you can just go out and ask someone to be your friend we just don't want to because we're scared we just resign ourselves to that don't we so it's like we don't expect it and most people won't go after stuff they don't expect. You know, we don't want to start yeah. something that we're not going to be very good at. I hate doing things like in a I will never even start something if I don't think I'm gonna be halfway good at it. And that will include a friendship or asking someone I just won't won't even ask. When's the last time you asked someone to be your friend? Like it's it is such a nice when you're feeling. A kid. Yeah. Really, yeah. Even to talk to someone. God, I get there's this one comedian called um emmanuel sanubi he's doing really well for himself he's the only person i know that calls you up for a chat with no context when you're in this industry you get a call from you're like oh fair enough they want a favor or they've got an yeah. opportunity it's only that he called me up the other day he's like right he's like yeah what's wrong so what's, what's up he's like what's up? just making a bacon sandwich all right well done but what so what is it like you're pitching me a podcast about bacon sandwiches no just make a bacon sandwich I sort of wanted to tell him <laughs> to go away, <laughs> but a little bit of me is like, this is a really special moment that I need to, to savor because it doesn't happen very often.
1: Yeah, it, I get that. I totally understand.
0: I think it's it's safe to say through knowing you both and, and, and knowing where we, you know, we spent our formative years. um, we, we, We've come from quite similar sort of backgrounds uh, and environments. Um, Jordan, how do you think... Where you grew up and and your sort of and class has affected, you know how you sort of perceive yourself and 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 I guess that can have a, a knock on to, you know your mental health.
2: Yeah, man, money's like it's the best and worst thing, and if you don't have it, you think about it all the time, and if you do have it, you think about it all the time. So money itself is like it's it's just a weird conduit through which our emotions play out. But growing up not with much money. I think you do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is projecting, but you form closer connections with people because that currency is the time that you spend with each other—quality time, love language being quality time. I don't know what my love language is. But I don't think it's quality time, but it's always nice when you get to spend quality time with people.
0: Can you can you just explain a little bit about love language to listeners that? Um...
1: I love that. I was going to talk to you about that, Stu, because someone told that, me Kirstie. about this the other day. I love it.
2: Yeah, Kirsty, do you want to you jump in? Well, let's do love language stuff. It's nice. Oh.
1: God, I was only literally told about it at a okay. couple of weeks ago by a mutual friend of, of Sue and I's. Actually, um, yeah, I didn't realise that people communicate and show their love and affection for for one another through different types of language. So, yeah, but like the whole, there's five, isn't there? There's
2: five. Let's go, right, we'll try and knock them off. You say some, and I'll fill in the gaps if I remember. So, there's definitely is one quality time. I've given you that. You're going home with that. Time. You can take that, or you can play for the big money. Well, what's the next next one?
1: Affirmations,
2: positive affirmations. That's, that's yeah, like people saying nice things to you. That's my one, definitely, right.
1: Doing things around the house, like doing things, tasks. Acts
2: of or... service. That's the one. Acts yeah, of acts service. of service. You got this. You you know what you're doing, right? What you what's the, something you're doing right now to your face? What's touch this? physical touch. That's it. I mean, listeners of the podcast, That's <laughs> just if you're listening, <laughs> okay, to you, touch their face, <laughs> right? Um, and then. There's, right so what we've we done the access service, cool. say nice things touch each other in nice ways um uh say nice things to each other oh it's quality time and oh gifts gifts give receiving a giving of gifts yes yeah like which is an odd one to end with <laughs> also materialism <laughs>
1: exactly that's that yeah that's kind of where it's where it started really isn't it
2: yeah um but yeah so growing up I mean, it's it's maybe those... Yes, basically, if you've got money or you've not got money, those love languages as presets are going to mean different things, even depending on the person that you are. Physical touch probably never goes away. That's always nice, even if you're an otter or a hamster. Physical touch is a nice thing between any sort of a mammal. But if you've got money, giving of gifts is perhaps... Um... Sorry, Jordan, I just want to shout out otters. <laughs> like... Big up the otters, because, like,
0: people always talk about other animals, and I feel that like they get a bit of a, a, a tough rap, like the otter, because they're super cool. Like, I love otters.
1: They yeah. are the only creature, I I believe. They're the only man What the fuck are we? Screw it. Do you We're know what? Like, I'll tell you what you need so to do, metal. Jordan.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> when you finish this podcast, you need to phone up your comedian, mate, and just go thought I'd find out for a chat about otters. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know what? Straight away we go, I can't understand what you're saying because you're from Essex and you can't pronounce the word otter properly. Otter. You and me saying it, I was like, no one knows what animal we're saying. <laughs> otter. <laughs> otter.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> dear. Um, You've oh, probably dear. got one outside really your, you got one outside your house right now, Kirsty. Do
1: you know what we have? There is yeah. uh, suspicions that we have an otter because wow. we see some odd prints. In the uh, in the
2: mud outside. There's an odd prince it's quite outside. A so. Yeah. All <laughs> oh, right. has got a hierarchy
0: going on. <laughs> we, we got <laughs> sidelined by otters. Um. No, we didn't. No,
2: you can never be <laughs> sidelined by otters, <laughs> Stu. It is the name of the game. Um. Yeah. So, so as you've got money, if you've got money, give gift giving is not just that it's more possible, but it's perhaps more expected. Um. And so that love language maybe turns it. It, it would. Uh, perhaps be difficult to oh no but then but then saying that if you grow up and you've got a a, both parents working so you've got loads of money coming in but there's not that much physical touch or acts of service or quality time gifts are perhaps the only way that you can receive love we just blown this thing wide open i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) that's the the take home message but having money does affect different things so my being brought up in working class town i've got that thing what i think a lot of entertainers get which is oh, this is, it's grim and bleak to a certain extent. So you get that feeling of wanting to get out and to get out without money means you have to, you have to be undeniably good at what you do, which is almost a thing you can never reach, that you have to hit some level of perfectionism that can transplant you from your the town that you live into another town. That's almost like dreamlike thing.
0: Can I talk about this? Because this is something that, you know, as as like you, you know, we, we, we both um, strive for, success in the music industry you you achieved uh, but much more than, than, than what i did um and uh, and i guess whether what you want to call podcasting whether it's a broadcaster i don't know but the arts for me when i look at sort of acting i there was nobody at my school called benedict cumberbatch there was no one at my school called edward thomas hardy and th- th- there wasn't them people at my school mm. and so you know, watching you um, when when you was um, playing, and you would often play at the venues that I was working at. You know, there wasn't much money in that, and and to sort of, and I'm always interested how class affects this because yeah. the the thought that if you're if you're privileged to a level where your parents can pay your rent. And so you don't have to work so you can just go to auditions or you can just go and write songs or band practice or you know how, how, how did how did that work for you? Like how did you you know did, did, did you did you feel like more driven by the fact that you was coming from a, a working class family from an area that not necessarily projects? Glamour and 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 success in the arts. Although we, you know, we know that there is lots, but a lot of it doesn't make it through. So did that push you further harder?
2: Yeah, you know, if your preset in life is you're you're born with this one hundred percent, like you all every fibre of your DNA is grasping to be loved, and then you you attach. The idea of love to success in what you do, which a lot of people do, which I've done, not good for your mental health, not healthy, but you can retroactively fix that. Let's get to that in a bit. Once you've got that feeling, you're on 100%. Now, if you, you've got two people at 100%, one's born with no money, one's born with loads of money, you get to, you hit success a lot faster if you've got money for the most part, um, and you don't have to excel any further. So perhaps things slow down so it's it's a double-edged sword if you're if you're desperate for success but you you're not in a position for loads of people to see you or to be able to go to auditions and things all you've got to do with your time is to try and get better and better and better um and hope that you become so undeniably good at what you do that word reaches these like lofty peaks um and i think that's what a lot of working class people you just you just hear a working class people break through and their sound is so raw or or their material is so refined because they have all they've got is time suddenly that's the currency you know it's like that's, that's all we've got to do is practice um but but then yeah it's really easy to sort of dehumanize people with money as well but they it's not their fault they got money <laughs> some people it's not their fault some people is very much their fault um they just want the same things but the opportunities are there and that's a weird kind of ennui that they get as well I've got some money now let's just like put cards on the table I'm not I'm way less happy than I was because i got some money but thankfully i I've got loads of things I still want to achieve. If I didn't have anything I want to achieve, was it Charlie Chaplin said, I can think of nothing more horrific than to be completely content. It's like the money's not made me any happier. It's just allowed some more opportunities. Thank goodness I've got ideas. Those are the real currency. If I've got ideas and the money will make them happen. When I run out of ideas, I should be, yeah, that'd be it. Money doesn't Mm. doesn't help with those at all. You can't pay for an idea.
0: I I completely agree, Jordan, completely agree. I think any time that I've ever sort of made any, Money and anything—it's just gone straight back in the pot to facilitate mm. another stupid idea. That I just think this might be fun. Like, mm. I wonder if I could make this fun thing a job, and like, and I think that's what. I don't know. I'm, I'm always, I'm just, I'm always intrigued with with people that have success in the arts. That certainly people who, whose journey I've watched closely, I, I just find it fascinating and. Uh, and I know how hard it is to, to 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 reach any level of success in the arts, let alone reach it in music, and then reach it to the level that you've achieved in in comedy. You know, it's it's absolutely incredible, and, and yeah.
2: Thank you for saying that, man. You know what's really it? What's really lovely, and let's keep it on mental health. Let's be talking about mental health is, um, look, it, you know, like the metaphors that um that fit athletes use and, and fighters use and, and things when they talk about it, you, you try to get to that, you try to reach the fail. Like in the gym, you try to get to the point where you fail. Such a wonderful philosophy for life. Um, If you're at 100% all the time, the the, the things that I've hit a wall and I've got a no, they're used to, obviously, they're devastating because you haven't got that many opportunities. When the opportunities start to come and you start to hit some no's, it's like all it feels like is a steer towards something else rather than a, then you're being flung back, like it's the the, the no's I've got have been the best things that have happened to me now because it steered me towards doing something else. But that's just a wonderful philosophy to have in life, a, a wonderful way to frame your life. Like it depends what what you mean by a no, but basically, if you don't get something you want, that's just an invitation to do to go a different way around or to do something else. And what a great opportunity to be given some direction, actually, to be given some direction. Let's 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 talk about this. Of the three of us, um, how many of us? knew what we wanted to do from as long as we can remember and have we ever spent any time in a period of like i actually don't know what i'm going to put my energy into not just creative but professionally or feel like you've had that 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 choice taken away from you have you ever spent any time thinking i don't know what i'm going to do so i've never never spent any time being like i actually don't know what i'm going to do which is a privilege that's not that's not on me that's just something that's happened to me i've, I've always know i'm going to do there's people that go through life different circumstances and they spend time they don't know what they're going to do and that's something you you, no amount of money can give you that
1: that's horrible i've been in that in that Mm. situation myself personally a few times um for a long long time even now eventually at some point always wanted to work with animals always wanted to be working outdoors on the land for a long time i wanted to run a care farm and then circumstances changed so i lost my mate and then ended up starting my charity reach out for mental health um, but I remember as a as a teenager I desperately wanted to volunteer at um, a local wildlife hospital and yeah. I phoned them and asked for them for some work experience and I spoke to the person that was running it and she's she's an incredible person. I've spoken to her on a number of occasions because I've ended up taking my chickens who I used to have as pets to her for my vet. A bit weird um, but at the time as a young person when I was looking at you know, doing a voluntary work and she just kind of dropped me down and I was de- bereft just thinking well that's it then you know what yeah. the hell am I supposed to do with my life I remember just for weeks having just this emptiness and this kind of loss and feeling well what what, what am I supposed to do with myself now and that that was that was really really hard yeah, yeah you,
2: you can't buy a purpose that's it you can't no, feel it no you purpose, can you yeah. can get a job you, or you can go somewhere you can spend money to go somewhere but if you don't feel like you're moving forward that vitality that we have in life is a privilege you know the kids have it every second of their life is vital it's like everything that, that flower is the most important flower I've ever looked at I'm going to go and show someone I've just picked this flower so important mm. um, As-
0: aside from being on stage yeah. um what gives you joy
2: having this is going to sound like a bit but i'm being serious uh, a jack of potato in the bath in a bowl in a bath, and watching people play minecraft on my phone that's balanced in the toilet is the best <laughs> is the best feeling i've ever felt outside of the affirmation of being on stage because it's vicariously if they're good at it I'm like I'm good at it. Do you know that? Because that's what it is when we watch people play play games online. We're like, um, that's me doing that, and I'm really good at it. But also can't beat hot a hot potato <laughs> and a bath. So it's like being in the womb and I'm being fed and I'm and I'm watching Minecraft, which is really it's like a dopamine drip to the brain. Um, I, and I'm not quite sure why, but it's it's like I feel very successful <laughs> when i'm in the when i'm there in the bar i guess it's like what a, what a privileged life i've got to where i can do this and no one's knocking on my door and asking to repossess my stuff or you know like those were genuine worries in the past with my family i've got really anxious about money like because we there was times when all of our stuff might have disappeared at one time or another that's a trauma that doesn't go away as well that's proper proper trauma is like the fear of someone entering your house because of a like a made up system of rules, ones and zeros that you didn't play properly. And now they're going to take away all your things that you like. That's um, that's, especially when you're young, that's a really weird childish childhood trauma. But yes, my Minecraft makes me really happy. Cause cause it's designed to reward you for every single thing that you do. And in our life, we delay reward like a lot. If you've got a project that's going to take six months, I've got to wait six months to find out if that's going to be rewarded. But in Minecraft, you do a little, you hit a little block and it goes bling. I'm like, ah, oh, that felt amazing. Um,
1: I get it now. I get my Nancy's so desperate to play Minecraft. I'm just like, no, you're seven. Don't be ridiculous. I'm not letting you play that. Yeah. Get it now.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's it's life changing. And <clears throat> when, when
0: the way that you would have coped with, you know, that, that kind of fear of, you know, and some of the moments that you touched upon when you were younger, when you know, you thought everything wasn't as it should be, um, to, to, to more recent times, and and like, what has your coping mechanism for kind of trying to look after your mental health always been the same? If it hasn't, how has it changed as you've grown
2: up? I think there's no denying, obviously, I'm a transgender person, and pre and post that. There's probably, you know, one of the big gifts of being transgender is you have to look at yourself a lot deeper than other people even never get the opportunity to do. Most people don't examine their gender because they're happy. That's there's so much attached to examining yourself. So pre and post that things definitely changed. Um, I'd say I was definitely one of those kids that thought because I wasn't good at anything physical or I didn't have like I wasn't really good at friends, <laughs> the subject of friends. Um, But I was good at brain things, despite the way I just phrased that sentence. Um, I was really like, smart. And because of that, I put so much value in my brain that I was one of those people. I think a lot of people are like this. You think if I'm just really smart, I don't have to put in that much effort ever because I, I could just show up and do my homework or show up and do this. And that would apply to other things in life. I'm like, well, I'm so smart. If I don't have a job, I just get a job. I won't like it, but I'll just get one. It'd be so easy. And then I hit a point in pro- professional life. I mean, it fil- filters back into your social life. I realized, oh my God, the most successful people in the room, they're a lot not as clever as me but they've got a lot more humility and they're working a lot harder than I am. So, like, oh, bloody, I've been doing this wrong my whole life. Doesn't matter if I'm smart. I'm an idiot because I think that being smart is the most important thing. So when I started working really hard, like that's all I do now. And I'm really, I am proud of how hard I work. Plus I combine the old brain power, What's I've got. Things have gone really well. It's that combination. The hardest working person in the room is going to be the most successful. And i put that into other things in life. I don't just assume that, I'm right when I have disputes with... I don't really have a dispute with my wife. I'm very, very lucky. We've got a lovely relationship. But if there's anything that comes up, I don't just assume I'm right. I would have assumed I was right before I transitioned. Now it's like... It, now it's, a, it's entering into a pool of feelings. Let's all, let's swim around in these feelings for a little bit. It's great. It's Yeah, everything's much more peaceful in my life.
0: So how were you managing your mental health before you transitioned?
2: Badly. Very, very badly because I just attach all of my happiness to my professional success. And that hasn't, it hasn't necessarily gone away, but I've just realized how subjective it is. So I was only happy when things were going well. So I threw myself into work, full on workaholic because I never, because I, I was an alcoholic for a little while. Not a good thing to be, but that can't blame people. It's its publicly sort of endorsed to drink as much as you can in this country. Yeah. I've been sober now for like 12 years or something like that. Which means I've never had a drop of alcohol in my blood at the same time as I've uh, had been taking estrogen. So it's like a, a chemical, I've chemically—I've just full-on chemically changed. So when I quit alcohol, I never had a cigarette. I've never done any drugs or nothing except for magic mushrooms, which is really good, but also for balance, don't do drugs—they're bad. Because um, I was like self-medicating. Um, I just love to work. It just hits hits the right dopamine spot, and that's not a healthy way to deal with it, but. Is the thing that people don't talk about. I don't know if we've talked about this before, Stu. So let's just—if we have—it's a good thing to say. People talk about workaholism, and there's different types of workaholism. But what if you like work in an ice cream factory and you love your job? That's not a bad thing to be obsessed with. Like, there's there's functional workaholism because you've got re- you really enjoy what you do. You like super super into like music. No one's you don't people like um I don't know the great composers or whatever. I mean, I wasn't there. So I'm paraphrasing, however, but I suspect they weren't blamed for being workaholics. They were just geniuses in their field. But if you're a CEO of a company and you work two hours, you know, you're it's like workaholism. What well, if you make chocolate, it's great. Stop saying I want to do these things. Different. Stop saying these things, right? You, I'm now picturing myself in a chocolate factory,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, not not in a fun one, like you know, in a world of pure imagination. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm in a, I'm in an ice cream factory, and I'm a workaholic, and the only thing that I can draw from that Jordan is the fact that Channel 5 will make a documentary where they have to get a building firm in to remove a wall to crane me out because I'm just (laughs) mainlining fucking ice cream 24 hours a day
2: (laughs) that's such a Channel 5 thing (laughs) the man that ate too many feasts (laughs) the man that ate too much Um, but yeah like we don't talk about being obsessed i don't i've always been obsessed with obsession that's got that's that's a, a stupid sentence but yeah i, I love that so uh,
0: should have been a name for one of your albums
2: yeah <laughs> god that'd be the most pretentious thing but at the time i have thought i've changing the world with this it was just a heard, uh, i just heard jordan's
0: difficult second album
2: <laughs> <laughs> talking about difficult second albums so i have a one i had a wonderful show in 2022 Didn't um, and that's changed my life forever my mental health now is all wrapped up in uh, uh, idea i've got to deliver on this second show it's got to be if i don't top it what am i doing with my life that's like a huge huge part so mm, i'm sort of struggling it. with that a little bit um and it's a bit self-imposed but let's you know i, I think it's fair to say people are gonna be disappointed if it's rubbish because that's true of everyone that does their thing i've put my head above the parapet now I've got a big head i got big air you're not gonna miss my head above a parapet
0: just just don't be shit
2: Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I've, I've, I'm so thinking about it so much that I think the only way I can get over it is if I open my next show with a song about how good the last show was. <laughs> and be like, <laughs> and now I'm really worried about this being good. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this playing on my mind a bit. Neat
1: preview. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Thanks. Well,
2: yeah. we, <laughs> that was... we saw, um, was that
0: your work in progress there?
2: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> also, well, we... that's the, the length of my show. Yeah. <laughs> <Very smart. laughs>
0: Well, we, I mean, you, you say that. I mean, did you, did you watch the documentary on Netflix about um who who's the guy that the Scottish kind of Ed Sheeran?y Oh, I should know his name. Uh, sing song right singer songwriter, Yeah. Uh, oh,
1: Louis Capaldi. Louis
0: Capaldi. Lewis Capaldi. Like, uh, um, did you watch the documentary on him on Netflix about him writing his second album?
2: Not about his writing his second album, but I've seen clips from that for sure.
0: It's an interesting watch. Yeah. That it, it, you know, it's not necessarily my my sort of music. I find him quite an interesting character, yeah. um, and just watching the the pressure of having to follow up success, like with with that second record, was was, was really quite fascinating. But I want to yeah. go back a little bit, and, and and I hope you don't mind me asking this, Jordan. But, no. Uh, <laughs> but we're uh, i
2: love doing that to, i love doing that to you there's not many people that i can do that with because they don't know i'm joking just, no well,
0: it's on. been lovely chatting anyway jordan yeah. um, but, <laughs> um, but we obviously reach out for mental health is a suicide prevention uh charity and i, and I know that we've we've spoken before um and, and correct me if i'm wrong but but there was a moment where things got pretty bleak for you wasn't there where um, was this in Southend Seafront? Am
2: I right? It, this is, um, yeah, we, I think this is where I find out if, if this is the same story that I've told you. If there's a different story, then my life perhaps has been even more bleak than I thought it was. I suspect what we're talking about is when I'd done my, th- my first single off the back of The Voice and I was so obsessed with it, I was so obsessed with the numbers um, and that's all I could think about. And then it, our plan was that it had to hit the top 40 and it got to 114 which is one worse than the fictional Ricky Gervais character David Brent's terrible album got to, like single got to. I was like, that was just like a cosmic joke, and I was, and then I got dropped from a label straight off the back of it, and I, and that was it. I was like, well, what? It, maybe that's a little period of time. I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now then? And I just remember I walked in front of this car in Hornchurch where my dad lived, and um, it stopped sarcastically slow. I was like, it was never gonna hit me, but it's the sort of the thought that counts, which is all that is the case. It's awful thing to do, and I was just so it was awful. It's a horrible feeling because I was just like, I'll t- take myself out of the equation because because the, uh, the numbers didn't work. It's like the Matrix. It's like the numbers didn't add up, right? So I'm out of this. Then I'm checking out this game, and then big turning point for me was I kept describing it to people, like like not many people, but like my wife, for example. I'd be like, oh, I can't believe how stupid I was, how stupid it was, and she was like, selfish is the word. It's the selfish thing to do. The The thoughts themselves, not selfish. Thoughts themselves, that's that's really, that's, you know, that's par for the course, That that's occurred, that's just the chemical imbalance, that circumstance is bad that you've got those feelings, that's not nice. To walk in front of someone else's car, selfish as fuck, that's a terrible, terrible thing to do. And it changed my whole perspective on it because it just brought some gratitude back into my life. And when you're feeling that bad, that low, the last thing on your mind is being grateful for stuff. You're like, there's nothing to be grateful for, I'm checking out. You inject some gratefulness, even if fake it till you make it, gratitude changes everything. A little bit of gratitude is amazing. It's so counterintuitive. I feel awful. The world has knocked me down. I'm gonna thank it. And you're like, oh, actually. Yeah, there's there's some connection there. So it's gratitude. You can't be grateful in a vacuum. You have to connect to something to be grateful for or someone to be grateful for. And then you start to make those connections. That was a proper sentence I've done there. Do you remember earlier when I I, I said <laughs> brain things instead of smart? I've yeah. made up for it now with a sentence that was quite up. eloquent. No, yeah, we're still really going. <clears throat> um so was
1: that? Do you remember that being a build-up then, or was it like the way you described it? It sounded like it was quite an impulsive decision. Was it just a you didn't really think about what you were doing? Yeah, or had you yeah, it or... full
2: on, full on, like. Um, there's also a sense of romanticizing your own mythology which is dangerous as well we are a storytelling species we love stories in fact we it's in our dna we need stories to live first thing a kid wants when it can speak is to be told a story but when we get addicted to our own stories and and we become so embroiled in them that if if that story takes a turn it's you know it's devastating it's it's like it you're you're their own hero in your hero's journey and once you reach that completion it's like what else is there and I remember it was just numbers. Like we just didn't hit the number and I got dropped from a label. It's like, all right, well, then I have failed and I'm not a person that fails. I don't even start stuff unless I think I would be good at it. So it's like, right, well, then I'm not the person I thought I was. And it, it was, it was, but, but yes, that's what, sorry, that was what I was going to say. I was like listening to, I won't say what I was listening to because it's a good song and I don't want to spoil that song for people, but I was listening to the song as it was all romantic. I was like, right, I'm going out at the peak of this like emotional thing. There's a lot of ego tied up in it and I, I, that, that's something that's really interesting to me is the these the experiences of ending it or thoughts of ending it aren't aren't cookie cutter they're re- they're different for everyone as well that's that's what's so interesting there's different flavors so to like there's so much we can share and there's some and feelings that we can share there's those are comparable experiences but that's not the experience that I've that I've heard other people describe to me when they've hit that rock bottom and that's that's quite revelatory you know that there's so many situations that can that can escalate and spiral and they can be impulsive or they can be thought out um I'm not qualified to really dive any deeper than that I'm not quite sure why I'm teaching my granny to suck eggs on this podcast about <laughs> this is your world you know you know what you so
1: how, how did you feel after that and, and you spoke to your wife and she basically gave you a bit of a bollock in what was your did you kind of put it to bed and thought like right, that's that not doing that again let's just crack on and focus and look
2: at the yeah thing. um I remember well, I decided that's what actually, to be fair, that's when I decided I wanted to be a comedian, which changed everything because it was like a joke. It was like a big joke. I was listening to this song earlier in the day and I was humming that song, won't say what the song is. And then I walked out in front of this car, humming that song. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm laughing, not crying. Um, and then when I got to the other side and it was all, didn't happen, ve- feeling very numb, I realized I wasn't humming the song I thought I was humming. I was humming Waltz in Matilda <laughs> by accident. Like some bizarre Australian expat that had decided to end it all. And it was just like, it just, it didn't make me laugh, but I was like, this is all a joke. This is all a big joke. And then if I'm going to be a joke, might as well be in on it. And then that's how I end my show is with the line. If I'm going to be a joke, I might as well be in on it because that's all we've got really. <clears throat> so it informed my life a lot more than I thought it did. At the time, I just thought it was a very stupid thing to do, but it, I guess it, it's, it's had a knock on effect for sure. I guess you kind of got to give it purpose, and maybe maybe you don't. Maybe don't put that pressure on yourself to give it any purpose. Sometimes these are just lapses in judgment. But if you can give it some meaning, it certainly helps. Um, like strong meaning, you know, then it then it helps going forward. You can always go back to that meaning and what it's done for you.
0: What do you do now to maintain a a nice level of of
2: well being? I don't have much of a reaction to anything except laughter. I laugh quite a lot. Um, She's
1: in the bath eating a jacket potato, watching
2: Minecraft. Yeah, right now you don't know <laughs> what, what's going on below the waist. Now I'm in a lovely warm bath. Um, it's uh, I, I get so people say such horrible things um, and such lovely things at the same time. Not the same people, that'd be odd. Um, across social media is poison, but it's also quite useful, especially in our job because we need to get the word out. It's hard to wade into all of that. So what I've done is I've, I live on such an even keel the waveform of my life to describe it to listeners is a, <laughs> I don't know why I even need it. It's a straight line. I don't know why I needed to feel like, it. yeah, it's, there's no, my life doesn't go up and down. So I don't feel any of the negativity that's coming at me, but it, what that means is it sort of shaves off the positives a little bit. I don't really, I can't take a compliment. I don't deflect them. I just don't really feel them. I never feel when anything goes well and I don't really feel when anything goes bad. I'm not, I'm not putting that out there as a universally, uh, it's not an admirable defense mechanism, coping mechanism, but it works for me. Life's fine. My life is fine. And and occasionally it's it's outstanding. And those are some lovely moments to look forward to, but um, I'm all right with fine until the outstanding things happen. <clears throat> I used to just be addicted to the outstanding and everything had to be amazing all the time. I suppose it's like, I, he- I hesitate to uh, self-diagnose because it's not, that's not the case. I didn't used to fluctuate between a manic state and a depressive state. it was just manic. Everything was manic. And I think I became a bit addicted to that, to the mythology and the romanticism of being a manic character, you know? That's why so many, <laughs> like, <laughs> I love the Joker. I think it's great. But there was this, heart remember a movement at the time of people talking about, it's a movie for like incel guys, you know? It's like romanticizes this idea of this loner that's sort of falling apart. I think that's something to be conscious of, not necessarily wary of, but you do get a lot of young men, for example, that they, they gravitate towards these, these anti-hero characters and it's never balanced out with any sort of connection with other people
0: how do you, you know, t- t- talk as you, you touched on um
2: otters <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't know if you if you'd forgotten yeah I love um, it when you do a serious joke face. All right, because I see your face. I love your face. I love it when you do your little smile. But when you go into doing a a, a pretend serious bit about something, you go so serious. It's so interesting. And he
1: gets all pointy, doesn't yeah, he? He gets all pointy he when he's really point. trying to drill down to the point.
2: If I had to describe you as an animal, Stu, what I'd say <laughs> is you, you're digging your little hole. You're an otter. You're an otter, mate. Loving it. Loving it. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure uh, it's going to be. Sorry. I can't even remember you. what I was going to say now. Um I described I, earlier, I touched on um social, social media. Yeah. So
0: like because in in, in generations younger than, than than my generation and yours, the 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 impact and the and the time, you know, I'm I'm looking at the way that my children spend their time and and so I, I tell you how, I, how I'll frame this. So
2: um <laughs> listeners Stu's point in are you finding... His finger's akimbo at the moment. Can't he help everywhere. it. Yeah.
1: I'm so sorry. You're going to be acutely aware of this every time. Now, yeah, I know. I, yeah? know. I wonder if you do it on all of your very many podcasts. Oh,
2: yeah, so. he does, but he does put cute in acutely aware. He puts the uh, cute Yeah, and aware. sometimes I
0: have them big foam American gloves with the big fingers. <laughs> 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 sorry if that was too loud in the mic. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting because... But when, when I speak to musicians on on off the beaten track, there a lot of them now tell me that they're the way that they write their music now. They're considering um, things like TikTok, uh, which you know, because songs can become very successful very quickly on TikTok, but you're generally getting a minute of it. Mm. And 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 I found now when I'm I'm DJing that the generations coming through get excited when they hear a new song and then after about a minute you can see that their interest is waning and and I find that quite terrifying that 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 life moves at a speed like that I mean I'm 50 years old so it's not designed for me does any of that Jordan filter through into your creative process as a as a you know as a comedian because again it's a very fast-paced industry anyway that you know telling jokes you know not uh, you know I, I know your 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 star he's not exactly sort of jimmy carl's bang 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 like but there's the fingers again like there <laughs> they are but yeah. um but yes do, i,
2: do you, know I I'm, do you know where i'm going absolutely with it? i 100% agree and i think it's one of those cases where i think you can apply it to other industries as well but um i the the only way i could survive that was to give it the respect it deserves i've 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 got all respect for like a high a high fructose corn syrup diet if that's what you want it's not very responsible thing to peddle to people but it's delicious um i like i want to create stuff that is nourishing that other stuff is you can pound like six big macs and still be hungry later but god they were tasty at the time um i want to create stuff that's a bit more nourishing the only problem is you can't you can't sit on that fence you can't um, sometimes think about what TikTok wants and sometimes think about what you want. That's the reason I walked in front of car is because we just started. I, I suddenly started asking, what do people want to hear instead of what do I actually want to make? And I keep getting told off all the time for saying it's a shit song that we recorded. It's not. It just doesn't sound anything like me. It sounds like twelve producers made it because we're all wondering what TikTok wants. Um, TikTok's great. I've, I've looked on it today and I'm I'm not even really on it and I'm doing quite well. <laughs> so so TikTok, if you're listening, thanks for for everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to create stuff that for a small audience that is really into it, like like Jeff Buckley. Not enough um, people knew who he was when he was alive, but the people that knew him thought he was a walking angel. And I'm thinking I'm one of those people. But he's not mainstream, is he? Because he he does very unusual things with his with his mouth and fingers in a musical sense. You've made you've made a friend in Kirsty there. Oh, uh, we the most have never person. mentioned
1: Buckley on this podcast. <laughs> yeah.
2: Fuck? Oh my god
1: amazing thank you jordan that would be
2: one to unpack wouldn't it because i've always i've always fought with buckley I'm, I'm always conscious that let's not go off on a tangent this is not a tangent let's tie it back people think of him as being this tragic figure this byron-esque figure but he's proper goofy he's in a lovely way he was just such a goof in real life and then he songs this this amazing sort of archetypal like animus of a person it's like this this magical thing but he was a proper goofy in real life and to not and, and to have that balance is important i'm a i'm a proper idiot i think i'm a fun idiot that doesn't tries not to upset anyone but then the art is trying to be so elevated so oh god it's got to be the most impressive and important thing um and it's all right to have those two gears maybe this is quite i guess it has to you artists
1: you think you need to have that light and shade to keep you sane don't you
2: yeah yeah i think that is very very important you otherwise yeah otherwise things spiral out and you become obsessed with your own your own mythology and then yeah it's the it's very becomes quite fragile ironically you know um, yes, it definitely affects the process, uh, and and trying not to keep a foot in what people want to hear. It's a weird thing to say because you don't want to make something they don't want to hear. You just it's got to be authentic. Just do what you do very very well, elevate that, and people find you. And and you, if you're lucky, that's a broad enough audience. I, wanna, I want to. I would like broad mainstream success. Do you remember that? Do you remember that Christmas special of Extras, Ricky Gervais' Extras? And he's sitting in a restaurant with his manager and the person that's getting loads of success above him. And he, he says, do you want to be rich and famous and off the telly? Or do you want integrity and respect? And Ricky Gervais like, both. And he goes, well, I'm going to tell you something now. There's only a handful of people in this life that have both those things. And you will never be one of them. And it proper, like, hurt me. Mm. It was like, I must have hit so many people because that the, that's the dichotomy, isn't it? That's the struggle. Um, I think it's all right to aspire to the very, 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 very best things that you want. But then you have to give all of yourself. And I don't know how healthy that is. It's about um, balance, right? Yeah, it, yeah. 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 See, I've, I've done a little hesitation when I said that because I didn't want to admit it. It's so true. It is about balance. <laughs> I just don't like, I don't like having to compromise, but of course it's about balance. Yeah. You know, don't want to, don't want to get to where I'm going in life and end up, like I can't, I, my knees are so buggered. Sorry for swearing um, on your podcast. They're so buggered from my live show. And I've, if I extrapolate that because I throw myself around like a maniac for effect for like, so it's amazing. But I, I might not be able to do a show in four years. if I keep treating my knees like this. Of course, it's about balance. Yeah, you got to. Maybe it's not about pulling punches, just about not throwing yourself around <laughs> on your knees. I can just
1: suddenly yeah, see bro. you in your next show, dressed as the Joker, wearing knee pads and like you
2: know, <laughs> elbow pads. <laughs> the health and safety. Like, yeah, like proper, proper um, art. It, like Bill Hicks. Imagine Bill Hicks with like a, with a crash helmet. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that is, that's me. Spiritually speaking, I'm Bill Hicks in a crash helmet.
0: Love it, love it. Well, look, we've, we've, we've kept you for nearly an hour, Jordan. This is such a great
2: podcast. Well oh. done, both of you, and thanks for having me. It's oh, nice. it's Thank
0: always you. a pleasure. Jordan, so we're, we're nearly at Christmas, so obviously uh, uh, a very uh, happy Christmas to you uh, uh, and your wonderful wife. Um, what's happening in 2024? Not in the world, in your world.
2: My world, I shall sure hope that those two things will collide at some point uh, and I would say <laughs> fingers coming back. In. Um, and I think that, yeah, so I'm I'm just, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I've got so many scripted projects that are going to be popping up in different places. But also we're just, they've got me on that conveyor belt of panel shows at the moment. So you're going to see me pop up on all those panel shows. I think the next thing you'll probably see is like QI, done Rod Gilbert's thing. I'm going to do that House of Games. I don't know if I was supposed to say that. It doesn't matter. It's all it's all good. But just like loads and loads of things. And then off the side of that, they're sending me around the world. Oh, I was probably do America next year. Yes, America next year. Same show, going to do New York um, and then LA and San Francisco is on the cards, but New York's the big one um, in the probably the winter of next year. I don't think I'm going to take another show around the world till 2025. I'm going to milk Is It a Bird for a while. That's the name of my show. Um, but thank you for asking. I, I will also be endeavouring to um, make strives in my own mental health as everybody should, but also don't put pressure on yourself. That's kind of the secret. You know, think about it. Don't go too don't go too far down the rabbit hole or the otter um
0: (laughs) if people want to keep up to speed with everything that you're going to be doing um where's the best place to follow you jordan
2: follow me on social media at tall dark friend don't ask me what it means i didn't know when i made it up i don't know now (laughs) <laughs> um, tall dark friend on social media and i think jordangraylive.co.uk for live shows there won't be anything on there till the beginning of the next year but well done and thank you for having me this is real bloody nice
0: Jordan. i need to get another oh. swear
2: word in before we finished.
0: it's always an absolute fucking pleasure to see
2: you,
0: mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you very rarely
1: swear it's normally me the ex and J's, so
0: that's good yes. i'm gonna press stop but don't go anywhere